Hello, Amy Wheeler here with the Yoga Therapy Hour. And today is a solo episode based on something I personally have been thinking so much about, which is this ability to let go of self-doubt and to have trust in myself and trust that I'm being supported by forces bigger than me. Now, before we get started, one of the ways that this can happen, and two people have told me this this week, so I want to share it with you. One person told me, Amy, ever since I started the Monday yoga therapy clinics, my life has shifted because I have this focus for the week. And she said, somehow taking that class on Monday completely keeps my mind on track and my whole week goes differently. So number one, I want to invite you to our Monday night yoga therapy clinics. We have a lovely group that works together and it's on recording if you can't be there live. We have depression topic in August, anxiety in September, building good lifestyle habits in October, and finding meaning and purpose in November. So we have some great topics coming up. And in the new year, we'll be changing it to Monday mornings because I will be moving to Minnesota and I don't like to work late at night. (laughs) The other little message I got this week was coming from our free course on Kajabi called the 12 Days of Optimal State Yoga Nidra. Someone told me they recently took this course. And even if they didn't do it 12 days in a row, because it's self-paced on Kajabi, they said getting into that quiet state of mind for 12 times brought them so much clarity that they hadn't had in a really long time. They got into a very deep state of relaxation. They drew their senses inward. They got in touch with something deep inside themselves. And next thing they knew, they were seeing life very differently. And I think this speaks to the power of doing a daily practice, or at least several times a week, a practice that does bring you home to yourself. That's really the key. And this person said, I've loved it so much. I'm going to join the Optimal State Yoga Nidra facilitators course that you're starting in October because I want to learn how to do this for other people, which you're all welcome to check that out. I'll put it in the show notes. So that's number one is this idea of how are you going to create space in your life to come home to yourself? And I think a lot of people struggle with this. I was talking to Mala Cunningham a few weeks ago about the power of intention and mindset and how she's used yoga for 40 or 50 years to transform the way she thinks, the way she perceives, the way she communicates the mindset that she has, she has used a daily yoga practice to do that. And I've talked to Arun Deva a couple of weeks ago too, and he said, not everybody has the capacity in their life right here, right now to be able to structure that way. They have a lot of responsibilities. Maybe they don't have as much willpower. Maybe life has been really challenging and it's very difficult to find that time every day carved out to come inward and come home to yourself. And Arun said, Ayurveda is a great way to kind of build that foundation, you know, with herbs and dietary changes and lifestyle changes so that you can take the journey of yoga which is according to Arun Deva, a little bit higher level because it requires more self-empowerment. So with that said, what I want to talk about today is how to build this trust in yourself. I want to tell you a little story. And that is that I was at a weekend workshop in a cabin with 25 successful women. This was probably 
15, 20 years ago, every woman there was kind of at the top of her field. And what I didn't know at the time is that every single woman was having this strange imposter syndrome for being there. We were all sitting in our own little minds thinking, why am I here? All these women are so successful. I have no business being here, but we didn't know that at the time. So we did this exercise where we were told that we had two minutes to get up in front of the group, 25 people, two minutes each to say, who are you? What do you do in the world? How are you of service? You know, basically just give us a small bio of who you are. And they gave us a card and we're supposed to write down some notes so that when we went up there, we could look at our notes and stay on track and be done in two minutes. So we all did that. We wrote down on our little pieces of paper. And then they said, you know what? Nobody's getting up in front. Turn the card over and write down what you were actually thinking when you got this assignment, that's what you're going to read up in front of everybody. <laughs> so a lot of women got up there, successful women. By this time, we had no idea what they do in the world because we're just meeting. I wondered if I had worn the right outfit and if these shorts make me look fat and how I'm going to feel when I get up there. That's what she wrote on her card. Or, oh my gosh, I don't think I belong here why do we have to get up and introduce ourselves like this? I'm embarrassed because I don't belong here. 25 women, all of us had self-doubt. When we were writing our little bios, we were simultaneously having this conversation in our heads like, oh my gosh, I'm not enough. And then we had to get up there and read that part of the card. But after five or six people, we were all laughing our heads off. We thought it was hilarious what was going on in our minds. And although it was a little bit jarring experience to just meet people and all of a sudden have to admit your deepest thoughts to strangers, there was also something very wonderful about realizing that we are not alone when it comes to self-doubt and that learning to trust ourselves and have conviction and believe in ourselves is actually not an easy thing to do. So I start off with that story just to say all of us have self-doubt. When I go through the nine obstacles from Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, and I ask my yoga therapy clients, you know, how about this obstacle? Do you face that one? How about that one? How about almost every single one of them, every single time says biggest one is self-doubt. Samshaya. That's the one that stops me. So that's why I wanted to do this podcast today to talk about how do we overcome self-doubt and how do we have faith and conviction in ourselves and in our support systems and in the universe at large, because according to Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, this is the most important thing. This is what we're learning how to do. Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour and Beyond. If you're enjoying this podcast, you might enjoy our weekly yoga therapy clinic. We come together as a community and each month has a theme that we go through together, like anxiety or depression or chronic pain or burnout. And we take classes together around that particular theme. You can do this for your own health and well-being, or you can do it and receive continuing education units. So we welcome you to our Monday Yoga Therapy Clinic. Go to www.theoptimalstate.com and join us for this month. All right, let's head into our podcast. Let's start from the beginning and just briefly look at Yoga Sutra chapters one, two, three, four, five, because this really is all you need. You don't even have to learn all four chapters. This is it. Yoga Sutra number one, Atta Yoga Nushasanam. 
Now we begin the experiential teachings of yoga. Yoga is a practical guidebook for life. It's not theoretical. It's not something that we're going to aspire to. It's right here, right now. Are you ready to go on the path? And can you do that from a place of openness? Atta, beginning from a place of lightness or openness on this journey together that is very applied. This is not theoretical. And are you ready to connect deeply with yourself, self with a capital S, your deeper self? Are you ready to quiet all of the waves on the surface of the ocean? Are you ready to draw your senses and your mind inward? And are you ready to listen to yourself? Then we go to Yoga Sutra chapter one, verse two, yoga chitta vritti nirodaha. The definition of yoga is that we're going to go into a deeper state of mind where the senses and the part of the mind that wants to connect to the outside world is no longer distracting us, that we are going to go inward and kind of remove our senses and remove the mind that wants to connect with everything out there, the fluctuations of the mind. And we're going to uncover what is in the deepest heart of you and me. And it's an inside job. Every person has to do it for themselves. Then we go to one of my favorite sutras, 1.3, Tada Drashtuhu Svarupe Avastanam. And this is basically saying, you are going to learn to become firmly established in a safe place within yourself because you're going to understand the truth of who you are. That's powerful. Not the self-doubt, not the fear, not the aversions, not the attachments, not the misidentifications, not the ego identifications, the truth of who you are. When you do yoga, you are coming home to self. You are going to learn who you really are. That's powerful. Now, Patanjali, whether that's a man or a woman or a group of people that codified these yoga teachings after centuries of them just being in the oral tradition, basically says that the consequences of either deciding not to go inward and get to know your true self, or maybe you just don't even know that's an option. You've never even heard there was such a thing, so you didn't know any better. But the consequences of that, of not getting to know your true self, are that you're going to have a lot of projections a lot of transference, a lot of suffering. You know, a projection is where you take what's going on inside of you, maybe self-doubt, and you project it onto the other. Or transference could be, gosh, I had a bad experience with someone when I was nine, and now, unconsciously, I'm going to project onto the person in front of me all those feelings of insecurity that that person gave me when I was nine, I'm going to bring that into the current moment and I'm going to project it all over people. (laughs) There is a lot of suffering that's going to come from this fear, this attachment, this aversions, misperceptions, misidentifications. And potentially say like, you don't really want to go there. You really want to work your yoga path and get some clarity. And so he goes on to talk about the five types of mental activities that that cause us suffering and how we can overcome them. 
And he goes into great detail about these types of mental misperceptions. Now, I don't want to go over all the misperceptions today. What I want to do is go all the way to Yoga Sutra 120, because that's really the heart of the matter today. And this is what I've been talking about, this idea that I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I can't stay focused. I don't have the skills I need. I don't have the financial backing I need. I don't have this. I don't have that, blah, 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 blah. Not to discredit. A lot of us don't have any of those things and that's no lie. However, you do have your mind. You do have your mind heart and you do have the ability to control your perception You have the ability to not have so many misidentifications and projections and transference. You have the ability to soothe and pacify your fears. You have the ability to let go and de-link from some of your attachments. You have the ability to catch yourself when you're having aversion or hatred and say, oops, I don't want to be like that. You have the ability to not get caught up in your ego, whether it's too big or too small. You have the ability to see clearly. And this is not to take away from any of the structural and systemic difficulties that all people face and many people of color and people who have not been cared for in this world have even more structural and systemic issues. It's not to take away from that because that's another issue for another episode. What we are talking about today is what Patanjali says about how to come home to self, how to get quiet with yourself and set your mind straight. This is why the Optimal State Yoga Therapy School is all about mental health. We're not into diagnosis. We're not into, oh, you have ADHD or, oh, you have complex trauma or, or you, no, there's no diagnosis. We are looking at the mind heart and how to create a healthy mind heart from the philosophy of yoga, from Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. It's a spiritual, maybe spiritually secular for some people, but it is a spiritual way. It's almost like maybe the counseling you might get from your local minister or that you might sit down with your Buddhist leader and have you know, a Dharma talk, or maybe have a private meeting where you discuss your life problems and your Dharma teacher gives you a koan. It's that kind of more spiritual or secular spiritual type of shifting the paradigm of how you see the world so that you can suffer less. This is not for anybody else, but you. Now, of course, you want to take that into the world and do great things and be of service. But first you have to get your own head and heart correct. So let's go to Yoga Sutra 120. This is about Shraddha, Shraddha and Virya. Shraddha means having conviction, faith, and trust. And Virya means to do that with courage and energy. Knowing that you've done it in the past, or that other people have been able to do that in the past, that there's a model for it. I don't know if any of you were track and field people, but there was a guy named Roger Bannister long, long ago, who everyone said it was not possible for a human to break a four minute mile, right? So you have to run four times around the track, which would be 60 seconds for each quarter mile. And it was assumed that nobody could do that in under four minutes. 
Then Roger Bannister came along and he did it. And once he broke that barrier, so many other people ran under a four minute mile, like almost immediately, they all started doing it. So that's what this is saying is that look around you. There are people who have done amazing things under really difficult circumstances. You know, one of them that comes to mind for me is Viktor Frankl and the search for meaning where he was in a concentration camp and he managed to basically keep his mind straight, even in these horribly, horribly difficult situations where he was obviously looking at death in the face hourly. I know that sounds like, well, we can't be like Viktor Frankl. Come on, Amy. (laughs) You know what? We can. We can. We have that potential within us. And that's what it means to have Shraddha. I think some of us are more likely to take that on than others, but there's not one of us that is incapable. A lot of you know, I didn't have an easy childhood. I actually had a few very, very difficult and challenging things that happened in my childhood. And I was talking to my dad the other day and he was talking about these amazing people that had done this thing or that thing. And I said something to the effect of, yeah, I wish I could be that strong. And my dad said, what are you talking about, Amy? You are. And I said, yeah, but I had this childhood trauma and you know that has stopped me from X, Y, Z. And he said, oh no, I think that actually gave you strength, Amy. You made it through that as a nine-year-old. And I had to reflect on that, that maybe because of the trauma, maybe because of the difficulty, that actually made me who I am to be able to do this work. So I don't want anyone to kind of X themselves out from the get-go and say, well, I have a high childhood ACE score, adverse childhood experiences, or, well, you don't understand, I had this happen to me, and so now I'm doomed. I had someone tell me once that They couldn't do the work of yoga and there was no hope for them because of their childhood trauma. They said, I'm pretty certain that my amygdala has shrunken and that there's no hope for me to go through the world in a different way. Meaning I'm always in fear and I always will be, and there's no hope. And I deny that. I don't believe that. These neural pathways can be built And it is our job to build them. And there is proof that late into your 70s, 80s, and 90s, you can still build neural pathways in a positive direction. Yes, it takes effort. Yes, it takes support. Yes, you might have to have somebody work with you to build those new states of mind and heart, but you can do it. Just because something happened to you doesn't mean that defines you. And this is what Patanjali is telling us. People have suffered throughout all of time in history, and we can choose to have conviction and faith and trust, even in the face of thinking, gosh, this doesn't look good. There's a lot of obstacles. We can still have it. So, you know, when I started this journey towards thinking about moving to Minnesota, basically, some of you know, I had cancer unexpectedly about a year ago. Now I've had a year of cancer free, but this last year really shifted my perspective. I've been out living in California for 25 years without family around working at California State University, San Bernardino. And on the day that I retired from the university, two hours later, I found out I got cancer. It was quite a day, I must say. I had two hours of joy. (laughs) 
but it really knocked me back. I was like, what the hell is going on? And so I spent the last year getting really clear about, well, any of us could die at any time. We are not guaranteed this life. Old age is a gift. And if I have five years left, 10 years, 20, 30, 40, 50, I want to shape it to exactly what I want. When I found out I had cancer, my first thought was, oh my God, I haven't had any fun in this life. I didn't take this life. Cause you know, many people don't know this, but when you get cancer, you don't know if it's transferred to other areas of your body. You don't know that for months until they check all the other areas and do all the CT scans and all the MRIs. And so there's this period of time for me, it was a four to six month period where we were seeing if it had gone other places. And there was a thought that had gone to my lung and there was a thought that it had gone to my thyroid. And, you know, all these scans were showing all this crazy stuff and that didn't end up being the case, but you don't know that. So you have this four to six month period. And for some people it's even longer because of course it recurs where you really have a chance to examine if I don't have much life left, what do I want to do? How do I want to be? And for me, it involved realizing that I want to go home. I want to be on the earth in the Midwest. I want to smell that soil. I want to see those storms coming across the plains and the sky and the smell of the rain. I want to be at family celebrations. I want to help my parents as they're aging and getting older. I want to go back to my childhood church and see people that knew me when I was three years old, little Amy Wheeler. They still exist. I went to Canada this summer to go fishing with my family and I saw this gentleman and I recognized him instantly and he didn't recognize me, but then someone told him, oh, that's Amy Wheeler. And he came over to me and he said, Amy, I can't believe this. I remember you as this little toddler running around the church parish hall, right? I realized that that's the grounding I want for the rest of my life. And it comes with a price tag. Don't get me wrong. There's, you know, very cold weather in Minnesota and there's probably unfinished business and there's things with family that are going to be difficult and just picking up and moving when I've lived in a place for 25 years, sorting and cleaning and deciding what comes and what goes there is figuring out how to buy a house when my house isn't sold and I don't have enough money to buy two houses. So how am I going to weave that needle to figure out how to move there in a certain time frame? But what if my house doesn't sell? I mean, you cannot imagine the obstacles in my mind and in reality that go with this move. We have a lot of animals. We rescue animals. How the heck are we going to get all these rescue animals across the country? And I'm inviting any of you to come and take a cat carrier and get on an airplane with us. So each one of us can get on with a cat <laughs> and put it under our seat. We'll pay for your ticket if you want to go from California to Minnesota with us. I mean, there are real life struggles, but the point is I have the faith. I have the conviction. I have the shraddha because this is in alignment with what my soul wants. My soul wants to be on that earth. My soul wants to be with my parents in their last years. My soul wants to contribute to the yoga community in the Midwest, which is very different than California. It's like 20 years behind, right? So it's like new frontier back there. Those things, that faith 
that this is part of my life journey and that this is how I'm going to spend my time on earth. That is what carries me over trying to figure out how I'm going to do this financially. How am I going to get all these cats out there? How am I going to wrap up this house? Like, again, these doubts come up and I think I can't do it. And in addition, my husband at first was like, no, I love California. What are you talking about? I don't want to go to the cold weather. Like it has been a mountain to climb to try to convince my husband, this is a good idea. (laughs) I've made a lot of promises that I'm going to have to make good on so that we can both be happy there. One of them involving an earth home. (laughs) So (laughs) the point is, it's like a war in my mind. No, you can't do this. What are you thinking? This is too much work. You're not going to be able to do this. The other side going, oh, yes, you are. This is your life path. This is what needs to happen. And I can listen to either one of those. And there are days, I'm going to admit, where my shraddha, my faith gets tested. And I lie in bed and I think, what in the world am I doing? And how is this going to work out? And I don't see a way forward. And I'm pretty sure something is going to crash and we're not going to be able to make it. And at any moment, even now, it could still crash. And then there's this other part of me that says, nope, this is in alignment with your life purpose. You have good intentions. You have good will. You're a hard worker. You will figure it out. When a moment comes where there's a big obstacle, you'll sit down, you'll do your daily practice, you'll breathe, you'll look at your options, you'll ask for help and support. You'll figure it out, Amy. You'll use GPT chat. Yes, I use artificial intelligence to help me through these problems. I'll type in like, what would you do if X, Y, Z? And boom, it gives me some brilliant answer that I hadn't thought of. There are so many things we can do to tap into the faith, into the conviction, into the trust to go forward in the direction we want to go. And yes, all those obstacles are still there. And yes, that self-doubt is still there. It's not like it goes away. But it's just, what are you going to pay attention to? What are you going to put your mind on? And I would say for most of my clients that I work with, the the sticking point for them is that the self-doubt and the obstacles and the I can't and I'm not good enough and I've had trauma is so loud. And the connection to inner heart mind and life purpose and why am I here? And what am I going to do in this world is so small. Those two voices, one is really loud. One is really small. And the practice of yoga therapy for mental health is to switch that to say, I'm choosing to grow my faith, my trust, my conviction in myself, in my heart, mind that I can come back with a daily practice every single day and get refocused on what my goals are and where I'm going and why I'm here. And I'm going to quiet my amygdala. (laughs) I'm going to let my amygdala settle down all my fear, all my self-doubt, all the obstacles that are real. They are real. (laughs) I'm not going to ignore them. That's the other thing I want to say. When I think of the financial challenge of trying to buy one house before you've sold the other one and getting it all to work out in a certain timeline so you can move all the animals, like I can't just ignore that. I can't say, oh, settle down, Amy. You're just overreacting. I'm not overreacting. It's real. But I can 
put that into GPT chat and say, what would you do? How would you handle this? Or I can talk to a friend. I can get support. I can talk to someone who's done it and said, I remember a couple of years ago, you were really stressed out about these two houses. Can you walk me through that and tell me how you manage that? Or talk to another friend and say, okay, you've had a farm. How do you move a farm? (laughs) Right? It's not that we're ignoring the true problems that exist and the true obstacles. The difference is what most of us do is we just let those grow in our minds so big and we have so much fear around it that we actually don't take action. We actually don't figure out how to work out this financial conundrum. We don't figure out how to safely and kindly get your animals from one place to another. We just sit and worry about it. So that voice on that side of your head is screaming at you. You're not finding solutions. You're frozen. Your nervous system has gone into freeze. You don't do anything about it. And the other side of your mind, your mind heart that says, no, this is the right thing. We need to move forward. This is within your dharmic path. This is good for you. It's good for your family. It's good for so many reasons. We have to grow that voice. We have to let it have space to emerge and to be seen and heard and connect with and have faith and conviction that somehow living within our dharmic path, there will be mysterious forces that will help us get through. And I believe that that's what it means to have shraddha. I believe I'll do the work. I'm a hard worker, but I also believe there's something greater than me at work. Something that I cannot quantify. I can't explain. I can't count on, meaning I can't say, oh, in a certain timeline, this is going to happen. It's not like that. It's so much bigger than my little mind heart. It's like the mind heart of the world that when I put one foot in front of the other and do my work, that things will emerge. And you know what they have? And that's faith. That's Shraddha that I don't know what's going to emerge, but I'm just going to keep walking forward with good intentions and do my best. And I may fall on my face a couple of times, but I'm humble enough to get myself back up and not be too embarrassed. And I'm going to admit the truth of my situation. And I'm going to let people support me and let the universe support me. And you know what? It has miraculous things have happened and unfolded that I could not have imagined at the start of this journey when I decided to have faith in taking this new way forward. Like, I don't want to get into specifics, but if I sat down for a cup of tea with you, you would be in awe over the magic that has unfolded to help us move in a very difficult situation. The magic, the pure magic, things coming out of nowhere that nobody could have expected. And, you know, one small one is that Every time I called to look at a house, because I was, you know, looking at Zillow nonstop all day, every day, nobody would even call me back. These houses were getting snatched up and I couldn't even get a call back. Not one call back for months, for like six months. I'm interested in this house. I live in California. I'd like to fly out there and see it. Boom, it's gone. I don't get a call back. So one night I'm sitting at this dinner party in Minnesota And this woman says, oh, we're building a new house and, you know, we can't wait. We're going to break ground in September and we hope to have it done by the end of the year. And I looked at her and I said, 
So what's your current house like? And is that going to be on the market? Oh, yes. We'll be putting that on the market after our new house is built. We'll put it on the market in February, 2024. I said, well, could I come over tomorrow morning and look at it? (laughs) She's like, what are you talking about? I said, I'd like to see it before it goes on the market. And I went over there the next morning and I loved the house and it was within our budget. And we have this six month period before she's going to get out and we have to get in. So in that six month window, we can figure out what's going on with our California house. So that's one small example of when I set my mind to it, that this is happening. My mind was very open and receptive to finding unique strategies to overcome the obstacles, which is to purchase a house or to at least get into a purchase agreement before this house is even on the market. And that it gives me six months to figure out all the other things that I need to figure out. Scary, but you got to take risks. And if you trust in yourself, you'll figure it out. So this level of Shraddha, some people say we're born with this, this ability to just say, I'm going to go for it and I'm not going to be perfect. And it's probably going to be pretty sloppy and messy and I'm going to disappoint people and I'm going to apologize and I'm going to do my best. And yet I'm going to persist, right? Some people say we're born with that. Other people say it can be built that brick by brick, you can start to build your own Shraddha. And I have to say, if you're a perfectionist, it's not going to work because it's very, very messy to build your faith. You are going to make a lot of mistakes as I have with everything in my life. I make tons of mistakes all the time, but as long as you're okay with that and you realize that is human That is what it means to be human, that we're all here. We all make mistakes. We all don't learn the lessons. We all struggle to figure things out. We disappoint people. We do our best and it's not okay. It's not good enough. As long as you're willing to accept that premise and keep doing it anyway and having the faith and the self-love to say, with all of that, I still love myself. I still believe in myself. I think, you know, Kristen Neff's powerful work on self-compassion has transformed the way I look at my life. You know, her steps of self-compassion are basically to acknowledge that you're hurting, that maybe you screwed up. But the second one's the big one for me. Everybody screws up. This is the human condition. You're not alone. It's not like everybody else is perfect and you're this horrible person. No, everybody is going through this. And then can you soothe yourself And speak to yourself as you would a small child that's made a mistake. Sweetheart, I know you're hurting. (sighs) You did your best. It didn't work out the way you wanted. You've disappointed people. You've hurt people. You've made mistakes. And it's okay. You're okay. Like those steps that Kristen Neff maps out have been transformational for me to let go of the perfectionism and step into this really wide unknown of life where you can take chances and risks and go for it and have that faith in yourself. You know, I always say this to my husband, we don't have to have it all figured out. The only thing we need is to trust that when we get to the fork in the road where a decision needs to be made, if we trust ourselves to make a good decision in that moment, that's all we need to know. We don't have to have it figured out ahead of time. We just have to trust that when we get there, we'll do our best. We'll try to be honest. We'll try to have integrity. We'll try to consider all sides of the problem in front of us. We'll discuss it together on our daily walks. 
We'll breathe through it. We'll do our yoga practices. We'll digest it. We'll process it. We'll talk to our loved ones who are smarter than us. And we will make a good decision in that moment. And I think that's what it means to have shraddha or faith. Now, as I said, in the Yoga Sutra, chapter one, verse 21, it talks about people have different levels in their ability to have this kind of conviction. And I think the more life has beaten any of us down, the easier it is to go towards that part of the mind that focuses on the self-doubt and the obstacles and the reasons I can't and all the things that I'm not good enough. And I didn't get that opportunity. So now it's gone. And I think it's much easier to lean into that. I just had a private with someone the other day who had a very limiting belief that I don't agree with. And I said, at the expense of creating some conflict here, I would like you to look at limiting belief because I don't actually agree with your limiting belief. And I'd like you to look at where that came from, because I think that might be stopping you from building the business that you want to have. And so she looked a little bit dejected and disappointed and of course, probably felt a little defensive, but then she said, you know what? I'll look at that. I'll look at that. And I said, great. That's all we're asking. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying you're wrong, but it might be worth looking at this limiting belief. And so when we talk about shraddha or faith or trust or conviction in yourself, it's that willingness to be open to look at your limiting beliefs and look at maybe where you have shut a door that could be open. Like one of my doors that was shut with this move to Minnesota for the first 20 years of my relationship with my husband, there was this piece of me that wanted to move back to the Midwest, but he had already said it was a no. And so in my mind, it's a no, no. He said, no, he doesn't want to go back there. That was a shut door. That was a limiting belief. After I went through this cancer diagnosis and, you know, he saw how hard it was for us to care for each other out here in California, all by ourselves, without a lot of support up in a mountain, in a cabin, in the woods, his little door cracked open. Like, okay, I'll maybe have that conversation. And it took a year of conversations. What would that be like? How could we be happy there? What would you need to be happy? What are your fears? What could I do to support you on your journey of exploration? Like this was not an overnight decision. This was slowly talking to my husband to figure out what wasn't going to work for him there. Like one of the things is the cold winters. So how is it that we can get him to some warm weather multiple times per year during the winter? We have to do that. That's part of this plan. But if I had gone with the limiting belief that he said, no, it's not possible. We could have never even looked for strategies or solutions for that. So this Shraddha thing, if you find yourself doubting and having, I can't, the answer is no, the door is closed. I would just ask you to examine some of those limiting beliefs and those loved ones around you. And you know, they might continuously say no. Okay. Well, that opens new doors too, doesn't it? And that's an interesting thing to think that your loved one is an absolute no when you're telling them what you need. That's something to reflect on. And I'm not saying you should leave that person. I'm not saying you should move without them. None of that, but it is an interesting thing to reflect upon. Why is my loved one really not wanting to meet my needs or 
why am I unwilling to even ask? That's a bigger thing. I find when, when we can get honest and say what we need, a lot of times people will shift and help us to achieve what we want. But for most of us, even figuring out what we want and having that clarity and speaking it and saying, this is what I need. That's where the work is. The rest of it sorts itself out. So as we go through this process of having faith and conviction and self-trust, we go to Yoga Sutra 122 that says the reason you have very little faith or a medium amount of conviction or really strong conviction has to do with fear, attachment, aversion, misperception, and ego identification. We call those the five kleshas or the five causes of suffering. That it's because of those kleshas, because of that fear, you're not even willing to approach the topic honestly within yourself, much less with any of your loved ones. You're not even willing to have that conversation with yourself during your daily practice about who am I? Why am I here? What do I have to contribute? How can I be happy? What changes do I need to make to support myself and my family? And here's another thing I have to say. I hate to say this out loud, but I work with a lot of women going through perimenopause and menopause, that transition time of life. And so many women, when we get to this point of their yoga practice and their meditation and trying to figure all this out, the easy answer is my partner makes me miserable. It's their fault. I never wanted to marry him in the first place, or I did once, but then we fell out of love and now they're terrible. It's so easy to project and transfer all your disappointment in life onto this other person. And I can tell you, if you come to me, I am not going to allow you to do that. Joy and happiness and awe and building the life you want is an inside job. It's an inside job. And I'm not saying it's not more difficult if you're married to an alcoholic or if you're in an abusive relationship, which obviously you need to get a psychologist and work your way out of, right? I'm not saying that, but I am saying that all of this work is an inside job. And that the first go-to should not be to eject from your responsibilities and your commitments. What you don't realize, if you're just going to take that easy eject, is that the consequences of that decision will follow you throughout your whole life. You may get the new boyfriend. You may get to move across the world and have this exciting new life and leave all the people you said you loved in the dust. But it will come with big consequences. And you can't just step back into their lives and be like, all right, I'm back. Like, no, 30 years later, there's still going to be pain there and you're not going to be able to brush it under the rug. So you might as well do the work of yoga and really find out who you are, why you're here, how you can be accountable to your responsibilities that you've signed up for. You're not a victim here. You did this. You made this choice. Maybe, you know, there were some very challenging reasons you made the choice you made, But ultimately you are here. You were driving the car that got you here. I know that's a hard message to hear. And you need to transform your mind and your heart and the new life that you create in a responsible way that honors your commitments. And that's a needle to thread. That is a needle to thread. Most of the people I work with, it's a two to three year cycle. We meet monthly. And after doing their daily yoga practice and their meditation, and they're going inward and then connecting and figuring out who they are and what they want and how they're going to contribute to this world, 
very few end up getting divorced. Very few. They realize that (laughs) they were the problem. And in fact, a lot of them end up really loving that partner again. So I think our perception can get quite skewed when we're suffering and we want to blame and shame and say that it's an external problem. And again, if it's abusive, alcoholism, drug addiction, like there are situations where yes, the ejection needs to happen and please don't be codependent and just stay in that. You might need work on the other side. How are you going to extract yourself to save yourself? Right. But in terms of yoga, either way, whether you're codependent and you're staying too long or you are blaming and shaming and suffering and thinking it's everybody else's fault, doing this type of deep yoga philosophy exploration, this path forward of who am I and how can I be free of suffering? The work is going to bring you to where you need to go. And the last thing I want to say about this And this is important. We go to Yoga Sutra 123, Ishvara Pranidhana. This is about letting the outcome emerge as you go along, trusting that there is a force higher than you. And it doesn't matter what you call that force. There is something bigger than you at play, whether that's your ancestors, whether that's your epigenetics, whether that's a personal God, whether that's mother nature whether that's your AA community, whether that's your friends or family or neighbors that support and love you. I don't care what this thing that's bigger than you is that's holding you. You can tap into whatever you want it to be. It doesn't need a label, but to let go into that is the key to do your best and then release it. So for me with this move to Minnesota, not knowing how the hell I was going to manage this, After I got George on board, I was like, "Hmm, okay, now I've got a job to figure out. To just say, I'm going to do my best. I trust myself to work hard and come to each crossroads and make the best decision I can make at that moment. And if it doesn't work out, if I don't get to go home and take care of my parents in their final years, I have to be okay with that. I'm not going to give up on that dream, but I have to admit to myself that all the actions I've taken for the past 25 years, working at this university, living here in California, have contributed to me being in a certain place in this life, which may or may not release me. California may or may not release me. It's still up in the air whether California is going to release me to go home. There's a few more hurdles we have to cross. So there's still this part of me that says, I'm working hard. I'm doing my best. We'll see what happens. We will see if California will release me to Minnesota and that I know there's something bigger than me at work. There's people praying for me. There's people supporting me, loving me. There's fear, of course. I have a lot of fear about it. What if it doesn't work out? What if at the last minute, the one house doesn't sell? What are we going to do? Like that chatter is there, but I'm growing my faith and conviction and I'm telling the universe support me, love me, help me, do magic on behalf of me, awe me, care for me, support me. I'm doing my best here. And I request that you support me. And that may not be a personal God. I'm not looking up at, you know, the guy with the white beard in the sky that maybe I saw in my Lutheran upbringing. 
nothing wrong with that if you like him. (laughs) But for me, it's more the magic of the universe at work. The more people I tell, the more people who might call me up and say, you know what? I want to take a trip to Minnesota. I've always wondered what that's like. Can I come and carry a cat carrier on the plane with you? (laughs) It just might happen. Right. And to put it out there and be like, yeah, let's do this. And to risk failing and to do it anyway. And so when we look at Yoga Sutra 123, it's just admitting, I don't know it all. I don't have all the bases covered. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I'm doing my best and I leave the rest to the magic of the universe to support me. And I regularly through thoughts and words tell through prayer, through meditation, I tell the universe what I want. And I know there's no timeline and I know I can't force anything. And I know it probably won't look like exactly how I think it's going to look like, but I'm open. I'm willing. Wow me universe. Awe me. Bring it on. Let's do this dance together. Let's play together. Let's co-create together. And I'm willing to step into that with you. I'm willing to let go of some of my control issues to do this dance with the universe and see what happens. You know, it sounds fun. You're probably picturing me on the dance floor with the universe and the wind is blowing my hair back and I'm smiling. It's not all that fun, honestly. There are times like that, that I'm like, whoa, what did the universe bring? This is so amazing. But there's also a lot of times where I'm like, universe, what the heck are you? No, 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 no. This is not what I had in mind. (laughs) Please, please don't go there. Right. Or something will happen that I just feel devastated by. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, what if this doesn't work out? Universe, are you blocking this? Right. It's that dance is for better or for worse. That trust that something larger than me is at play is to accept that everything isn't going to go my way in the perfect timing, the way I thought it should go. That dance is my dance partners leading me. The universe is my dance partner, but they're the leader. I'm not the leader. I'm following and doing my best to get my dance steps down and my twirls and my dips and all of that stuff. You know, there's a lot of times where I actually want to be the dance leader and I start struggling and taking control and trying to be the leader. And it doesn't work. Whenever I do that, the dance is not pretty. It's painful. (laughs) And I have to remind myself, oh yeah, I'm putting my requests out there to the universe, but I'm not in charge. I'm doing the work. I'm getting the house appraisals. I'm getting the house inspections. I'm trying to talk to the buyer and get us all on the same page. And I'm trying to get the timeline down and I'm trying to figure out how to get all the animals out to Minnesota. Like I'm doing the work, but I'm also acutely aware that I'm really not in charge, that there's something bigger than me. And I'm praying that it's benevolent. I'm praying that it has my best interest in mind. I'm connecting my mind heart to the benevolent parts of the universe because, you know, the universe just is, it has scary parts. It has horrible parts. It has beautiful parts. It has blissful parts. It's all of it, but I'm connecting mind heart through my daily practice and meditation to the benevolent forces that be knowing that all the other ones exist too, but I'm choosing to focus my mind heart on the goodness, the sweetness, the support the love, the kindness, the ability for magic to happen. And again, you could call that spiritual bypassing. 
but I call it really hard work because the obstacles and the fear and the you can't do it and you're not good enough, those voices are really loud and I have to soothe them. I hear you, I see you, I know it's painful, but let's just settle you down a little bit and I'll come befriend you. And I'm gonna grow this other part of me that I can do this, I'm smart, I'm a hard worker, I'll figure this out, I've come this far. I trust in something larger than myself. I'm going to grow those thoughts and let them be the dominant things. And that's what we mean by changing your neural pathways is making a decision for what are you going to consciously think about and what are you not going to let yourself get carried away with? Of course, you want to soothe yourself and give yourself compassion for the fear and the aversion and the attachment. Like, I'm not saying shut that down. I'm just saying put it in its proper place. And I think this goes back to what I talked about at the beginning. We all need support in that. We all need to take 12 days of yoga nidra for free to get our mindset right and listen to those yoga nidras early in the morning or before bed. We all need that weekly class on Mondays or whenever you go to get your head back in the game and get you straight. It's very difficult to do by yourself. I really feel like, especially if you're in a dark hopeless place. You need more positive input. You need someone with a leader mind that is going to keep talking to you about yoga therapy and yoga philosophy and mindset training like Mala is doing. And Arun talked about it too. We've had so many great guests on this podcast the last few weeks that have basically said, yeah, you got to retrain your mind. You got to rebuild those neural pathways in a new direction. And only you can do that. There's no machine that can do that. There is biofeedback that can show you on a screen when you've gone off track and, oh, okay, here we go. I got to correct that. Like that is helpful. But in general, you have to be willing to be self-empowered to rewire your mind heart. And that's what we do in yoga therapy for mental health in the Optimal State Yoga Therapy Program is we teach people how to rewire their mind heart. And not only does it change their lives as a trainee, but then they're qualified to teach other people how to do that. And that's what they're going to do as they're offering to humanity going forward, which is really beautiful. You receive it, you become it, and you share it. That's why I would love yoga therapy for mental health. It's not about diagnosis. It's about training people to come home to themselves, to have faith that they can do this, and then to give up the outcome and do that dance with the universe and let the universe lead while you're practicing your dance steps. It's not like the universe just takes over and you get to lay in bed and eat Cheetos. No, you're doing it. You are calling up those moving companies. You are finding those inspectors. You are getting the house inspection. You are trying to figure out financing with the lending company. I mean, I'm a busy woman. <laughs> I got a lot going on. I'm not sitting around doing nothing. But in the end, if the universe will not support this after all my hard work, I'm going to have to accept that. I'm going to have to accept that and find another way to support my parents and to live a happy life. And I've already decided that if for some reason it can't work out after all of this effort, that I will train my neural pathways to be happy in California. I will. I don't think that's going to happen, but I've already decided that it doesn't matter if this gets blocked, then I'm going to do the whole thing with the life in California. 
And in fact, one of the little tricks I've decided to do is why not start doing it in California right now with the six to eight months that I have left here in addition to Minnesota? So why not build positive, joyful, awe-filled moments every single day for the next six to eight months while here in California? That way, if somehow this new thing gets blocked, I've already got it going here. And if it doesn't get blocked and I can go to Minnesota, I've already trained my mind to be happy and healthy and whole. And I can take that attitude with me wherever I'm going. It's a win-win situation. So I think that's all I want to say today. I leave you with these thoughts that yoga is about training your mind heart. Only you can do it. It's an inside job. It requires daily practice to settle your senses and to dealing from the outside world and to come inward during your daily practice, which you can be supported by a yoga therapist to find that daily practice. And that once you start doing that on a regular basis through yoga nidra or any other type of contemplative practice, that things will become more clear and that you'll start to understand yourself deeply. And that from that place of clarity, you can start to make some big moves to make your life exactly what you want and that everyone has that opportunity. Everyone on earth. That's what yoga promises us. Some people may have more faith. Some people may have more resources. It may seem easier for some people, but we can all do it. And in fact, I have found that the people with the least resources oftentimes are the ones who can do this best. And I'll just leave you with that thought. It's kind of counterintuitive. But it's just been my experience of observing my clients over the years that there's some grit, there's some toughness, there's some inner conviction that happens when you haven't had a lot that helps you on this journey. So I will leave it at that. Thank you for listening today. I love doing these solo episodes. I hope you love them too. And I wish you well, and I hope you have a great week and just think about how are you going to start to reprogram your neural pathways to have more faith and trust and conviction in you so that you're able to let go into something larger than yourself. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Yoga Therapy Hour and Beyond for this season. We are finishing out the year of 2023, with so much gratitude. Gratitude for our guests who have been willing to share themselves and their gifts with the world. Gratitude towards you, the listeners, who now have helped us reach 100,000 downloads and beyond. And gratitude to our team here at Optimal State for putting out such great content week after week after week. This is the last episode that you'll hear from me in 2023. We do take a break for the holidays. We think it's so important that we all rest, renew, and recharge. So most of December and into January, we take a break. We're actually living our yoga. The other really exciting thing to tell you is this is the last time you'll hear my voice or see me from California. Our family is moving to Minnesota to be closer to our parents and our family. And from now on, you'll be hearing the episodes still on Zoom, but coming from Minnesota. So we will move over the holidays and we'll see you on the other side in 2024. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Yoga Therapy Hour and Beyond. If you've enjoyed this program, there's a few things you can do to help us. You can share this episode with colleagues, friends, and family. You can give us a great rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. You can support us on Patreon. And you can download the Optimal State mobile app and start using it to track your own nervous system. All of these things will help us to produce and give you the gift of the Yoga Therapy Hour for many years to come. Thank you, our listeners, for supporting us. A special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria. And Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.